The world is like a ride at an amusement park. And when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. I can tell you from experience, the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. Don't think. Feel. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Hey brothers, welcome back to the Nicholas Gregoretti Show. I hope you've had a great weekend. It's Sunday evening here in Los Angeles as I'm recording this intro. Sunday evening is one of my favorite favorite times. It used to be one of my worst times when I was a kid growing up because it invariably meant that school was coming the next day and I had a very heavy feeling on me because I really didn't enjoy school. And also, I don't know why, but in my particular household Sundays, there was just, again, a heavy energy in the house. Uh, I'm not sure exactly why. I think it had something to do with the fact that my parents weren't very happy people or they weren't very happy together. And I just remember Sunday Sunday afternoons and evenings being a very lonely time for me and one that I, I didn't really appreciate. And now I know one of the ways I know I've made progress in life is that my Sunday evenings are one of my absolute favorite times, as I said. And that's partly because I use them to prepare for my week. I know that if I wake up on Monday morning and all my ducks are in a row and I have a list of tasks to accomplish and I wake up in a clean and tidy home and my my office is, is ordered and uncluttered and uh, everything is where it should be and I have a clear set of objectives, then I know when I wake up on that Monday morning, that week is going to start well. And that means it's going to go well and it's going to end well. And ultimately, these weeks make up your months, which make up your years, which make up your life. So why not make each of them phenomenal? That's just a little tip I would offer you guys is make sure that you start your week right. And the best way to do that is by getting ready on Sunday night, or at least that's the best way I found to do it. This is the kind of stuff I help men with. I help the clients I work with. It's not just about getting their their health optimized or their relationships optimized or their businesses optimized. It's about giving them life hacks like this, but more importantly, helping them into implement these hacks into their their busy schedules. And uh, if you go to my, my page, you'll see there's a testimonials link at coachnickg.com you can see just how uh, effective the work i do is if you're a man who wants to maybe escape the rat race by starting a a heart-centered business i can help you with that or if you've already got a business or a vocation that's just not serving you i can help you with this if you want to find out more about all the work that I do, head on over to coachnickg.com. You can get a free copy of my book there. You can join my, my free Facebook group there, which is called The Heroic Entrepreneur. We're up to 240 members now in that group, and I'm putting a lot of really powerful free content in there. I think you'll get a lot out of that. All of this stuff, as I said, can be found at coachnickg.com. So head on over there to check it out. Now we're going to dive into uh, an interview I really enjoyed with Johnny Elsasser. I hope you guys enjoy it too. And uh, I'll chat to you at the end of the episode. Hey, brothers, please welcome Mr. Johnny Elsasser to the show. Johnny is a former special operations U.S. Army Ranger with four combat tours 
between Iraq and Afghanistan. Man, I have, I'm so excited to speak to you for many reasons. Good to have you on the show, my man. Hey, brother. Uh, likewise, and I, I love talking with you. We had a great time on my show, so I'm super excited to be on here. Yeah, it's great. I mean, for me, it's like a little bit of the, the geeky fanboy comes out because I've always had so much respect and admiration for soldiers. Uh, I've always just thought it was such a such a noble and powerful, you know, uh, vocation in life. It's just incredible, and I'm 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 so happy whenever I get to engage with with um, people who've done things like you've done. Right, so it's just good to have you on the show. Yeah, I appreciate that, brother. It definitely is a different life and a different mindset, man. It takes, especially coming from like a an elite level uh, special operations unit like I was in. It takes mm-hmm. a it takes a different mindset for guys to stay in there and be there and operate at that level. So it's it was definitely a beautiful life and uh definitely enjoyed it, but you know, obviously on a different path these days. Yeah, I hear it, man. So one of the things you you're one of your big challenges was you came from this high octane life, which is you know, operating at this elite level where you've got to be on your game 24-7 and you could die at any moment and you like you're right on the edge, right? And then you came back into civilian life and it was, it was quite a big adjustment for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, man, it, it, it's a, it, it's really challenging because people who come from an elite background, uh, similar to like what you've been through in your life and then having to transition out of those things, it, it, every, everybody that has that elite background has a big shift where when they have a transition out of it, most of us feel lost. I mean, I was even at an event where seven time Mr. Olympia, um, Phil Heath was there and he, he became very vulnerable and opened up because he's in that transition period right now, literally, and broke down a little bit and was very vulnerable about it. But when you come from such an elite background like that, uh, from where I was, where your life is on the line constantly, or even from high level athletes and stuff, it's it, it takes a toll on you because your purpose, your personality, your drive, everything is predicated off of that. Like mm. your standards are up here and the transition becomes really hard because you don't know how to accept society uh, in a place where their standards just on average aren't mm. as high. And so it becomes a lot of resentment and judgment. There's a lot of toxicity in your own mind. Um, and it prevents you and it prevented me at least from creating friendships. Uh, it, it, may, it, it, it caused me to have, uh, my own negativity in my first marriage that ended in a divorce and caused me down even my own dark path of drinking and just self-criticism and judgment because I couldn't figure out what I was doing to transition out of that. So it became a really big battle for me in my life. Wow. I'm, I'm interested to know. So you, you get back from you've, you've completed your fourth tour of duty and you realize, OK, I'm going to I'm going to leave, leave the army and become a civilian again. What was the point where you realized like the reality where you bumped up against the reality of that and you were just like, shit, this is not what I signed up for. Or this is so different or this is difficult. What was can you remember a specific incident? Yeah. So I'll fill you in real quick because I, I didn't get out of the military and go directly to civilian life. I actually went to do uh, protection for the U.S. ambassador to Iraq. So I spent another five years in the Middle East protecting the U.S. ambassador. And that was a uh, private gig. So I wasn't in the military anymore, but it was paramilitary. And I was still surrounded by a lot of guys who were former like special operations and stuff. So I still had that pedigree around me. 
Um, but when I left that job is when I, and that was 2013. And that was when it really was the shot to the gut for me. I was sitting in a cubicle working for the state department and I'd taken a, a low level job just to convert over to, uh, I was you know kicking in doors, protecting the U S ambassador. And then I go to just clicking on a computer screen, being a freaking <laughs> contracting officer. It was, it was yeah. wild, man. It was about six months. And I was sitting there and staring at my computer and I was like, what am I doing? Like, what, <laughs> like, where is my purpose? Like I, 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 every weekend I was just living to, to get drunk on the weekends and like hang out and throw something on the barbecue and watch football. And I was like, God, this is like, this is pointless. Like what, what, where's my goal? Like what, what's my overall state supposed to be like, Oh, do 20, 25 years. And then at 65, chalk it up and be like, Oh, now I get to live. Like <laughs> that sounded miserable to me. And I was like, holy crap. And that, but that was the start of it. I started to go down. I realized I was having a lot of, um, I was having just a lot more toxic thoughts. I wasn't creating friendships, meaningful friendships with good men like yourself, people who could raise my, elevate my vibration, show me something different. Um, I was, you know, drinking with the same people all the time, having the same stupid conversations. And it just became incredibly pointless. And I realized that I had no purpose. And then that hit me as like, oh, wow, bro, you're, you're broken right now. You don't, you don't have, like, you're not living for this flag anymore. You don't have anybody else that you're protecting. Like you're sitting here clicking on a computer screen, doing mindless numbing work, and there's no purpose behind you. And when that hit me is when I really started to then have more of a negative relationship with my ex-wife. I started to even drink more because I got depressed and then I was just not happy. I was, I didn't know who the guy was in the mirror that I was looking at. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I didn't recognize him is when I really started to say, okay, either you can continue down this path and it's going to be really dark. It's going to be really pointless. You're not going to be a fraction of the man that you used to be. And I, and I've always held a high level of integrity. So this really hit me when I had the conversation and then I asked myself, or you can either step up and figure out what it is that you need to start changing in your life. So you can start having a more positive feedback from your external world. You can start growing, you can start seeing life differently. And so I, I recognized that point in time, what I needed was I had to release the Ranger so I had to release who I was in special operations. And I kind of had to let him die for a little bit in my life for me to get past those old perceptions and for me to actually figure out how to transition to, you know, quote unquote, normal life. Mm. There's so much in, in what, in that monologue of yours that pinged, it pinged so many things in my mind that I've got a lot of things to, to ask you about uh, this idea that you had to release the ranger it's it's been my experience in life that you know there's this um i always think of this analogy of a monkey swinging through or a gorilla swinging through the far through the through the jungle right so he's got a vine and he swings and he grabs the second vine and there's a there's a point where he's suspended between these two vines and the only way he can move forward is to let go of the one of the one behind him otherwise he stays right and i've seen that in my own life there's and sometimes, sometimes it's a person you've got to let go of. Sometimes it's a thing. Sometimes it's a job. But sometimes it's an identity, right? And I've yep. I just had a thing in the last couple of years where I had to let go of an identity, a belief of who I thought I was, 
because that was too small. It was too limiting. And don't get me wrong, it's fucking cool to be an army army ranger, right? It's it's I mean, really, I have so much respect for you. But at the end of the day, you are an infinite being. You're an infinite spiritual being that mm-hmm. came here to have an experience and saying I'm an army ranger and like I'm special forces and whatever, it's amazing, but it's still a limitation. And you had to let go of that mm-hmm. to become what you want to be today, right? Uh, the second, Absolutely. yeah, I, I wanted to speak to you about um, the, the the wife thing, the divorce thing. I've made no secret of it. I went through a, a very painful divorce a few a couple of years ago now. Um, hardest thing I've ever done by far. And when I hear you say you go through divorce, a part of me thinks to myself, and I think it's probably the self-conscious, insecure, small part of me. I think, man, what, like a guy like you, you're a good-looking guy, got an incredibly powerful beard, as I've said to you before, well-built, you're strong, you're a man, you clearly know how to take care of shit. I mean, I just don't see why a woman would leave a guy like you. What happened? Or, or I don't, I'm not saying she left you, but I, I don't see why a relationship like would break down between you and a woman unless you, you wanted it to. Well, what happened, if you don't mind me asking? Mm-hmm. Well, it was a, it was a combination of things, you know, um, what happened was when I started to realize like I was becoming the worst version of myself, uh, I tried to have open communication with her about how our relationship wasn't becoming very healthy. Uh, we weren't having constructive conversations. Um, there was pretty much no sex involved, uh, at one point. And it was like, Hey, listen, um, I see myself going down a dark path. I see myself not being the best version of my, of who I would like to be. And I asked her, I said, you know, here are the things that I would like from you. What can I do to help patch this up? And we did that for about a year and nothing really changed. And when I sat down and I retrospectively looked at it, I said, well, did I make the efforts that I told her I would? And I felt like I made to, to a decent extent, I felt like I made some of them. Um, and then I didn't feel like she was meeting me on the other end. And so I actually had to really step up myself and challenge my own. I, I didn't, I thought of it as a failure at first. And that actually drove me even deeper once we separated, because I was like, dude, you're, how are you a man? Like you, you failed at a marriage. Like you can yeah. keep your, your wife with you. So I had that negative conversation as well. But before that happened, I had to make the decision. Hey, are you willing to be a martyr? And if nothing changes, um, be stuck in a marriage that you're unhappy in, or that's going to cause you to be an even worse version of yourself. Or because you guys have had these conversations, because you guys went to you know therapy and talked, like, are you willing to say, hey, maybe we're just not the right people for each other? And that was the conversation I had. And that was my step out of the darkness was saying, bro, I have to honor myself. And I need to honor the life that I want. And so it was a, a mutual kind of agreement. We, we realized we weren't the right people for each other. Um, and from that, ended up coming into going on my own self-discovery and journey to start rebuilding who I was and allowing me to release that, that old mindset that I had. So that was really the relationship at the end of it and what caused all that was was me just going down that path and then realizing we weren't connected like we used to be and we weren't mm-hmm. we weren't connected as um from a soul level we weren't connected from a vibrational level or from a heart level and so yeah. it really hurt me it hurt me and it, it hurt her i know that 
But at the end of the day, I had to look at my life saying, I have one shot at this. And if I'm unhappy right now, is this going to get any better? We've been trying. Is it going to get any better? And if not, then I needed to challenge myself to step up and say the real things that needed to be said and go from there. Yeah, good for you, man. Wow, that is, <laughs> that's it's really powerful to hear. Um, I, I'm not even going to go down that road, but thank you for sharing that with with me. Um, I'm not I'm not even in the headspace where I can have that continue that conversation, but I really appreciate that. Uh, yeah. You speak about something that you've identified, which is called you call a tactical pause. Now I don't know what that is. Yeah. I have a I have a feeling or I have a guess, but it, it sounds really cool. Can you can you describe that a, a little bit more? Well, a tactical pause, brother, is it for me, it's been a saving grace in my life. It's something I learned in the military. But the beautiful thing about a tactical pause is it's those those split second moments where you have to assess and gather as much information around you in a short amount of time to make the best decision possible. But the key about a tactical pause is at the end of a tactical pause is you're making a cognizant decision on what you're trying to do. So a tactical pause for, for life or for me in general started when I was in the military and you kick in a door, you blow open a door and you guys have to go execute a mission. Well, obviously when you go into a house, there's more rooms than one, right? And you don't just run into every room and not take any type of pause. You actually get outside of a room, position yourself and you take a pause and you check in. Do I have one guy on my back? Cause you can do a two man clear. Do I have one guy on my back? Is he ready? And then we're going in. And that tactical pause is you're taking a look down the hallway. You're taking a look at what kind of doors in front of you. You're reaching out. You're seeing if it's locked, unlocked. Where are the hinges? Does it swing out? Does it swing in? You're making all these split second decisions, but you have fractions of a moment to do it before you execute your movement or else that can be the threshold of you dying and not dying. Right. And so you got to have you got to have things called speed, surprise and violence of action. If you have two of those three things, you will dominate almost any situation you're in. And so we always try to maintain that through everything we did. Well, when I got into life, when I got into you know real life, quote unquote, and I started to create my own business and I started to create, you know, developing myself, I started to have to take tactical pauses and really assess my own mindset because there was an early time when I would be talking with guys and I would just be judging them in the self, the, the men's development space. And then I had to take a moment before I responded to people and say, why are you thinking this? Where is this coming from? Does it have anything to do with them? And what's the best thing to say that's going to improve the communication between you guys or cultivate some form of friendship? So I had to make these split second decisions because I was still trying to break old habits. And in that tactical pause, when I gave myself those moments, I ended up cultivating better relationships. I ended up cultivating more uh, inclusive communication. And I started to connect with people differently. And that's actually what started to bring me out of my own judgment and self-criticism and holding myself back was creating that tactical pause. And the same thing for any decision I make in my business, I actually take a moment and, and it can be a tactical pause can be the fact that you're on the phone and maybe you're getting a business loan. And then all of a sudden you didn't think about it, but everything's going well. And you didn't think about what everything's going to mean at the end of the day. 
a tactical pause is even when things are going well to make sure you're assessing the situation before you execute and make the decision to go forward with something and making sure that it's in the best interest of what you're doing or where you want to go. Because sometimes we can have positive situations that really flow into our life, but they don't actually align with the direction of where we want to be. Mm. But it could be a good thing. It's just not with your alignment with your direction. If you don't take that tactical pause, you can find yourself in, in either poor situations down the road, or you can find yourself in a, in a position down the road with your business that you never intended that then you have to go back and recalibrate. So that tactical pause is, is very influential for everything I do in my life from saying yes to converse, to, to podcasts, um, spending my time. Cause my time is very important to me now. Uh, it always has been, but it's even more important, as you know, when you're doing businesses, it's very important. So saying yes to podcasts, saying yes to sales calls, saying yes to business programs, saying yes to connections and collaborations, but all saying, that stuff. Saying, saying no to a bunch of things as well. Yeah. And that's the point is that it gives you the opportunity to say no, but it gives you the opportunity to say no coming from a place of awareness and alignment. That's the difference. Because when you take the tactical pause, you actually end up being able to say, okay, let me truly assess where is this coming from in me? So a lot of times you can check in and I'm sure you know this, you can check in with your body and there's certain places that you know, it's not an emotional response. Mm -hmm. So you can check in, okay, is this coming from a place of alignment or is this coming from a place of emotional response? Mm -hmm. And if I truly assess that, is it going to put me in the direction that I want to be in, whether it's a yes or a no and honoring yourself, that's what it gives you. It ensures that you honor your integrity and your authenticity. So that's really what the taxable pause is all about, like in a little synopsis nutshell. And then there's a million it's, stories I have about it. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I was thinking the, the thing you said, but when you're on the battlefield, you want um, speed, surprise and violence of action. Was that, was that what you said? It's, yep. it's interesting because at the moment I'm working with a new understanding. Uh, it's not new. It's maybe about, it was just before Christmas this year. So about nine months ago that I started really reflecting on this deeply, which is the phrase slowly is the fastest way to get to where you want to be. And since hearing that, I've, I've really taken on board in my life to just slow everything down, everything, my breathing, my jujitsu, the way I walk through the world, everything. I just, I've slowed it all down and realized there's no rush. There's no rush in my mm -hmm. life, right? Like, because I've realized that rushing and impatience usually comes from fear. It's the fear that you're not going to get what you want, right? It's like, I've got, I've got to do it now. I've got to, I've got to. And I don't know if, I know there's a place for what you've said, that that strategy of speed, surprise, violence of action. And, and I would say, yeah, on the battlefield or in a fight, in a physical confrontation, you want to hit first and hit hard. I get that. But it seems to me that for pretty much everything else, you want to slow it down, right? And I guess, is that is that kind of overlapped with the tactical pause? Is there... Is there is that, is that there, kind of what there, you're talking about? Well, there is, but we have a different saying in special operations, which is slow is smooth and smooth, smooth is fast. Smooth is fast. Love that so, one. So if smooth is fast, then your speed is already, if it's slow is smooth, smooth is fast, 
then speed should be equivalent to the fact that you did slow things down. But because you slowed them down, you're so efficient and effective, it's faster than everybody yeah. else. Yeah. And so that's where speed and then in business, speed, surprise and violence of action, man. If you say, for instance, you come up with a product that you want to hit the market with and you think it's a really great product and there's really nothing else like it. Well, if you have speed, surprise and violence of action, and you take that market over really right out of the gate. You're going to get people who copy you 100 percent, especially if it's a good product. But if you take those three, you're going to capture the, the big market share and you're going to hold them. And that's what I look at speed, surprise, and violence of action with is making sure that you're taking those tactics and putting them into application to where you are actually dominating the space that you're in, but dominating it in a way that you uh, took the time to evaluate what you were doing. You created efficiencies and effectiveness, which is slow is smooth, smooth is fast. And when you came out, that came out as speed, surprise, and violence of action. But to you, it was actually just, it was slow. It was, it was taken at an even pace, mm -hmm. right? But to everybody else, it was like, wow, Nick freaking smashed it. Look at dude. He just freaking, yeah, but you, it's because you planned properly. Mm -hmm. So that's where that kind of overlap with a tactical pause can come in. Because if I can take the moment to have that tactical pause, it helps me to make the decisions or the, the impromptu plan, even in a split second moment on the battlefield, but in business, it's a, it's a more planned out plan. You're taking that and then you're executing it with speed, surprise and violence of action. They end up mm -hmm. running consistently with each other. Okay. It makes sense to me. You said you've got a million stories about where you use the tactical pause in action specifically on the battlefield. I'd love to hear one. Yeah. We, well, you know, this was, I was also a regimental master breacher. So, uh, when, what that means is that, you know, I was basically in charge, um, of, you know, creating a bunch of different charges that I would carry on my back. And then when we would hit an objective, I'd be able to actually put, um, put the charge on, blow the door, and then we would execute, you know, going into the objective or going into the room or whatever it was the house initially. But one of the times, uh, this was early on. This one was really good. It was probably the first time I realized the tactical pause, but it's a funny story. So I want to give it to you guys, but we were sitting there and we were hitting a objective and the breaching team was across the street. They were probably about 60 yards from us, from my squad and my squad, we were positioned because we were going to be, a, be the second team in or a second squad in. And so the first squad gets up to the gate and this was like one of my first, very first combat missions. And one of the, the squad leader gets up on the gate and he puts the charge and everything like that. And he puts the charge up on the gate and he goes over the radio. They get ready. They blow the charge. And we were moving up to the gate. And then as we did, my squad leader paused us for just a moment to watch them go in. But as, as the other squad leader blew the charge and then we paused to watch them come in, this giant piece of metal comes flying at my face. And because we took the tactical pause to actually assess how they got into the objective to make sure the breach didn't bounce, a bouncing breach means it's a dirty breach and that means the gate never opened. If we didn't take that, I was about ready to get clotheslined by a giant piece of metal wow. that freaking was flying off this gate because they had like a crossbar on it. 
And so that was really funny because the fact that I just watched this thing, it was almost like slow motion. It just like literally flies like this right in front of my face. I just like watch it go by and then wow. end up having to turn back. And then we have to still go execute the mission. But those tactical, that tactical pause ended up being a really uh, fun one for me because I saw it. But at the end of the day, it was the first time I saw it utilized in combat and was able to see like, wow, that assessment not only helped us to understand what the first squad did so we could actually execute properly because if that bounced, then it would have changed the trajectory of what we did. Yeah, yeah. But it also kept me from getting clotheslined by a piece of metal. So that was that was a pretty That's dope nice. one. I'm, I'm reminded <laughs> of a, an understanding that uh, that really changed my life, which is... It's specifically um, relating to interpersonal communications or, or interpersonal conflict, which is that between the stimulus that the person gives you and your response to them is a window. And in that window lies your power. And for most people, that window is so small, you say something that annoys me and I just answer back straight away. Like, oh, fuck you, man. Like, you know, if you're in traffic, right? And some guy cuts you off and, or swears at you, like, that's the stimulus and your window then is very, almost non-existent. You just, you know, fly off the handle. The longer you let that window stay open, the more likely you are to actually do the right thing or to do the thing that results in uh, a, a more beneficial outcome. And it's kind yeah. of similar to the tactical pause. I'm, I'm sure you'll agree. hundred percent. Well, that's, and I, again, the tactical pause isn't like a, a brand new thing created. It's just the term that I use to make it make sense in my mind mm -hmm. because I do. I, I use it in conversations all the time. I use it in, especially with my wife now, when I talk to her, <laughs> it's like, dude, that tactical <laughs> pause has saved me more times than not, man. It's and probably I saved know, her like, too, though. <laughs> <laughs> it has. It has. But it also, it also is the fact that, um, you know, it, I notice now because I've practiced it for so long outside of the military, I've noticed when I actually don't apply it. And so I'm like, because conversations or situations tend to not go in the direction I would prefer them to go when I don't take those moments and do it. And it saved me so far in a lot of different ways on connecting with people, to be honest, more or less with uh, being out of the military. It has really made made life a lot better for me to create friendships like deep meaningful friendships because there's a lot of times like the military lifestyle is very interesting we used to say as men like in as men in the military uh if i'm not making fun of you then that means i don't like you it's <laughs> it's, it's such a toxic way to behave man it's not it's not nice like some yeah. guys just don't respond well to getting their balls busted right yeah and um i used to be that way but as I've transitioned out of that, when I'm with a group of buddies who are now in the men's development space and things like that, and we'll be talking, I'll want to say something that's funny that might be busting their balls. And I actually stop myself from saying it and say, what's the alternative to that? Because he may not respond well to it. And it allows me to <laughs> actually give a better comment and then utilize the busting balls things for the guys that I know, like have fun. Sure, with sure. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I love hearing that because, um, you know, when I've, during my, my career in jujitsu, like it's a lot of alpha tough guys, a lot of like hyper masculine dudes. And yeah, we just take the piss out of each other all the time. That's, that's obvious. And I, I, I think, I realize it's there's a couple of reasons, right? One, it shows familiarity, right? It shows that like comfort between two people. 
if I look at my, my best friend and I, our relationship is 95% just fucking insulting each other, right? That's the <laughs> truth. Right? Um, but um, also what it does is it, it's, I think why men do that when they're in groups is because they're testing on a subconscious level. They're testing like, is this dude cool? Or does he like, when, when like things like bug him a little bit, does he get all like bristly and, sp- and like freak out and like get angry and, and basically act like a woman or is yeah. he just cool? And does he just laugh with it and, and roll with it and maybe insult you back? And I, I think it's kind of healthy. I, I, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I do understand like where it can get out of hand when it's just this constant, like one upmanship, like constant series of insults. There's, there's a good way and a bad way to do it. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. And, and I love it, man. That's still part of who I am. And I think yeah. it's fun to do that but I have better discernment now because I utilize that tactical pause and I try to be emotionally intelligent enough to read somebody's energy and their personality before I start doing that and even read who's around because there's guys, and I'm sure you know this, there's guys, you might be able to bust their balls when you guys are sitting around having a beer together. But then as soon as you throw a woman in the mix, or as soon as you throw somebody they don't know in the mix, dude, you do that. And then all of a sudden they get super defensive. They change. And you're like, whoa, bro, like <laughs> I've said this to you a million times and now it's offensive. And yeah. so um, it's given me the ability to discern those things so much better. So that way it maintains higher levels of relationship with great men in my life that That's I really cool. just truly value. Yeah. But Johnny, you're such a cool dude, bro. It, it could, you know, it could so easily have gone a different way with you. Like with what you've seen in your life, you could, you could be one of those, those guys who's just like, highly strung and angry and you know almost i don't want to use the phrase toxic max masculinity because it's been co-opted and it's i just think it's a crappy a crappy phrase now but you could just be like a, a douchebag right but you're just a cool friendly like awesome dude and it's just such a pleasure man i i've got a lot of respect for you thank you for being dude, who you I, are i appreciate that brother and and um it means a lot to me to hear something like that from somebody like you. Cause I mutually, I respect you and love who you are in this world. And even your background is highly, I highly respect what you've done in your life and to see the guy that you are, how open you are and how fun you are to talk with, man. It's just, it's special to have yeah, brothers awesome. like you in this world. So appreciate yeah, you. That's awesome, man. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are going to want to check you and your, your programs out. Where can they go after this? If they want to find out more about you. Yeah, if you just go over to my website, johnnylsasser.com, and that's J-O-H-N-N-Y and then E-L-S-A-S-S-E-R. If you go to johnnylsasser.com, you can see everything I got going on. You can check out the podcast, the experiences. We have a new subscription program that's coming out um, in September this year. So all the things are on there. Just check it out. If you, if you like something or want to shoot me a message, you can either shoot me an email or catch me on Instagram. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Johnny. Yeah, brother. I hope you guys enjoyed that one as much as I did. What a cool dude. Just such a good vibe, such a good energy. I watch war films sometimes, very rarely because I find they affect me pretty pretty intensely, largely because I'm, I get quite involved with the events on screen. It's almost as if I live through the movie myself. It's actually one of the reasons that Watching movies is such a profoundly, can be such a profoundly powerful tool. When used properly, it's because you can almost download an entire lifetime of experience in in 90 minutes or in 120 minutes. If the film is is well made and it's it's uh, 
a theme that you're interested in and that affects you enough, you can learn vicariously through the, the characters on screen. I learned that from one of my mentors many years ago and it, it always stuck with me. I'm someone who, as I said, I, I get really involved with these films. So when I watch these war films, it's I just watched another uh, one the other day called Kingdom of Heaven. I watched it with a couple of my buddies, which is about uh, the Crusades and set hundreds of years ago in Jerusalem. It's a Ridley Scott film. Whenever I watch a film like that, I'm, <laughs> I find myself just reflecting on just how, how nuts the concept of war is. You know, just the thought of standing across from a group of other men that want to kill you and knowing that in a few hours or a few minutes, you might be brutally and violently killed. And, you know, just there's so many themes that, that go around that. But when I talked to Johnny, I realized, man, this guy has been one of those dudes. He has gone into a combat zone with his, his comrades, his brothers in arms, not knowing if he's going to come back out, right? And as I said to him in the show, like, it's amazing how well adjusted this guy is. He could have easily been uh, shell-shocked, you know, had really bad PTSD and just turned into a very antisocial and closed person. But it's a testament to the strength of his character that he said, no, I want to find another way. I want to I want to go beyond this and I, I still want to thrive in the world. It reminds me of another saying, or it's not actually a saying, it's something I saw on a Reddit, uh, Reddit sub, subreddit recently. This guy was saying, um, you know, if, if men can train themselves to belch up air from their stomachs to survive underwater for six minutes at a time, you can do insert X, Y, or Z, whatever that thing you're trying to do is, right? And if you're listening to this and you're doubting whether you can build a business or get a new job or find a cool girlfriend or whatever it is that you want to do in life, just think about that. Men have gone into combat zones and survived horrific ordeals and come out the other side and been happy and healthy and successful. Men have trained themselves to belch up air from their stomachs so that they can breathe and or survive underwater for six minutes. So you can do anything you want. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode of the show and we will be back in a week or two with another one. Please send me feedback if you're enjoying the show. Go join the Heroic Entrepreneur Facebook group, which is free. You can just type in the Heroic Entrepreneur into Facebook, it'll find it. Uh, you can also, also find that on my website, as I said. And uh, yeah, that's one of the ways I interact with people. I'd love to hear from you guys there. Or you can find me on Instagram at Coach Nick G. Always look forward to hearing from you guys. Until next time, remember, we're all alone in this together.